0: hey everybody brad stevens here founder and ceo of outsource access we help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the philippines congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 real leaders impact awards we are proud to be among you about 10 years ago i woke up to a major growth problem in my last business cash was tight staff was overwhelmed and tasks were not getting done then i discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the philippines where english is their second language so there is no communication or culture gap I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit redefinescale.com. That's redefinescale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, She sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit redefinescale.com.
1: Hello friends, Laura McKinney here, your co-host for The Real Leaders Podcast. I am so happy you're here tuning in today. And as always, you are in for a treat. Got some amazing pearls of wisdom coming your way, so make sure to share and review after you take a listen. Let's do this. We are live.
2: (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Let's
1: do it. Hello, everybody, all of our viewers watching. Thank you for tuning in to our LinkedIn Live here on The Real Leaders channel. I am here with Carissa Reiniger, the CEO and founder of Silver Lining. Carissa, thank you so much for coming on our LinkedIn Live podcast today. Um, It's an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's an honor to have you. You know, I'm so excited to talk to you today because I'm a big believer in the power of small businesses, and I know you are too. So maybe give our audience a little bit of context of who you are and really what Silver Lining does
2: yeah i'd love to so uh, i started silver lining 18 years ago and we have been on a mission to figure out how to see more small businesses succeed since way back then uh we've gone through ups downs and arounds like every entrepreneurial journey but what that has arrived at and what we do today you can really think of our work in three streams we have a sas program that helps small business owners set and hit their financial goals with the primary belief the best way that we can create a more just economy is by seeing individual small business owners become more profitable and sustainable so that's our core business we've got uh, thousands of small businesses in 70 countries around the world that use our program to really help them succeed and the coolest part about that program aside from the businesses themselves obviously uh, is that it's based in behavior change science so instead of coming at it from a business angle we're really coming at business from a psychology angle how do we as humans optimize our behavior to get to the outcomes that we want. So that's our primary work. In 2021, we were realizing that this whole conversation about access to capital and helping small businesses access capital was important. Um but we really believe based on the data that we have in our SAS program that actually the way that we want to be able to assess credit worthiness is through behavioral data. And that if we did that, we could open up approval rates to a more diverse population. So we started doing behavior-based lending to small business owners uh, less than two years ago, and we're in this grand experiment to really say, if we got rid of credit scores, and if we got rid of financial statements, and if we got rid of personal guarantees and the needs for collateral, and we actually just gave small business owners loans based on their behavior, who they are, are and how they show up, could we change the game on who's getting approved wow. for for credit? So, and so far, our data is saying that we can, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. And then, last but certainly not least, you know, you can't sort of help small businesses, especially those from marginalized communities, without recognizing that there's so many systemic realities at play that are preventing their success. So we launched and run many global and localized uh, programs really focused on ensuring that our program and our support is truly accessible to all and really working on issues that relate to community development. And economic justice, uh, including a global movement that we run, which is really fun called Thank You Small Business, which is just all about celebrating and supporting and thanking small businesses for all they do for our communities and our economy. So that's that's the long answer, but that's wow. silver lining. Wow. I mean, there's
1: just so much to that.
2: And I love that oh, you
1: I take know. that like psychological angle. Um, I don't think a lot of businesses do that, um, maybe to the extent you do, and I think it's Fascinating. Um, and I think, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of like a trailblazer in this space, honestly. Um, so congratulations. And, and I it's amazing. You know, um, for you, what, you know, where did this passion for this type of work come from? Uh, was it were you always like this or did something kind of evolve this way or what what really was it?
2: No, it's a great question. I always say I was 22 when I started Silver Lining. And so, my number one uh, advice to every entrepreneur is start young enough when you don't really know what you're going to get into so ignorance is bliss and um I started it in such a funny way you know so many entrepreneurs have these stories where they were you know building lemonade stands at five and you know and that wasn't me I actually was like a nerd and I volunteered nonstop. so I was like a do-gooder um and I was always volunteering and trying to help in the community and trying to make things better and ran missions trips Um, And I ended up in a really, I I had degrees in psychology and I ended up working in advertising uh, out of university and I really liked business development. I liked business. I liked the idea of putting deals together. I liked figuring out how to grow things, but I was so uninterested, quite frankly, in, you know, figuring out how to help a big corporate that Fortune 100 company, you know, helped them figure out how to make more money. I just thought, well, who in the world, like of all the things to do in the world, why that? Mm -hmm. And for some reason, this intersection of, you know, I like business, I've got a psychology degree and like small business owners are so important and they're so amazing, but they struggle. You know, so many small businesses fail. The ones that are still in business often struggle with cash flow and mental health and capacity and family and all the issues. And i thought you know if i could figure out how to help small businesses succeed like that's so interesting because i love business but it's also so interesting because i think it would really help society and so i have to admit it was like kernels of thoughts that i think i was too young Mm -hmm. and too naive to really understand the gratitude like the gravity of it um so you know fast forward 18 years later i would say that i am a million times more passionate (laughs) about what i do than i was then and like a. Like a bajillion times more dedicated to it because I really understand to your point that, you know, I'm operating and working in this very old, stodgy industry. You know, the people that typically care about small businesses are, with all due respect, you know, yeah. old nonprofits, old government agencies. You know, it's just old and stodgy and kind of forgotten. Small yeah. businesses are largely forgotten. And so, Um, Yeah, to sort of see it with new eyes and to think about how to bring science and psychology and tech and, you know, all of these modern approaches to this very age old problem uh, is like I mean it's it's my life's work i love it so much and thankfully you know i stumbled upon it all these
1: years ago so i i love that and i i agree you know ignorance is bliss a little bit in the beginning and that probably aided in a lot of the success (laughs) to start out and uh, you know i when i was reading up on silver lining the first thing that really caught my eye was the name itself Uh, I said, that's like a really inviting, interesting, warm name. It had like a a feel to it, like an aura. And, uh, you know, because I just feel like, especially with small businesses, you have to look for those silver linings to find those wins sometimes. And I don't know if that's the, uh, was the crux of you naming it that, but I'm kind of curious of where the name kind of came from.
2: It's interesting because again I can't believe how ignorant I was when I started this company but I I didn't even think of in every cloud there's a silver lining. I didn't even yeah. think of that phrase. However, it's purpose yes. because the reality is, right, if you're going to be a business owner, it's going to be hard. Yeah. There will be clouds, right? The purpose of behavior change science, the purpose of being a business owner is not to eliminate that. It's to figure out how to build the resilience. That you can get through the bad to find, you know, the silver lining. Yeah. And so there is, you know, that's perfect. But my original intent with the name is that I had this vision. I've always preferred silver from gold. I wear silver. I like silver. Yeah. Uh, I like that it's like not number one. I like that it's number two, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like I like I hate the idea that like gold is yes, gold driven yeah. and i like silver is just kind of this like cool, funky, yeah. Yeah, 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 different yeah. approach to the podium. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. And I wanted to start a company when I started it, I wanted to start something that was unbelievably practical, you know, silver is used for cutlery and, you know, nickels and you know, it's like it's very, very practical element, but art and you know, sort of like this, if if you use it well, it can be really beautiful and modern and sort of cutting edge and so I was really struck by this idea of how silver was an element that was not gold, uh, but was really actually this combination of unbelievably practical and solid and steady and like kind of flashy and fun. And I thought, you know, if I could build a company that was like that, I would love, I would be so proud of that. And so that was the original intent. And then it's got this beautiful secondary of, you know, the clouds and the silver lining. It's
1: such a creative background of a name. Like it goes so deep too. And the fact that you made that up, like when you first started and you're like, that's, that's like the meaning behind it. And it still probably, I'm sure kind of carries in the back of your head and, you know, at the, maybe in the forefront, you know, really as a leading force of what you do now. That's awesome. I love that. Very much. Yeah. So let's say I have a small business and I came to mm-hmm. you and I said, you know, I want some help getting some growth strategies going. You know, what would be the first steps that you would do with me to kind of hone in on my priorities and to get me started?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we so much of my mission as a as a now slightly older business leader Um has shifted to really thinking about changing the culture of entrepreneurship. And I think the culture of entrepreneurship covets people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, which are these, you know, storylines that are so rare and so fictitious in so many ways, right? Where you're a lone ranger and you set this audacious, you know, mission and you just fight everyone and at all odds you succeed. And I just, I, everything I know about that storyline and all the data we have from the the thousands of small businesses that we've worked with says that that's not the true story of entrepreneurship. the true story of entrepreneurship, is someone who actually has like a very deep why they care about what they're doing. There's a reason for it. It's not just to get rich. There's better ways to get rich than just for most people, Uh you know, so there's a very deep why they care about their community, or they have a skill set that they want to, you know, bring to the world, or they care about creating more freedom from themselves so that they can spend more time with their family, or they have more agency. And so, you know, I would say the first, first and most important thing is get really committed to the uh sorry I just had a little blip there uh get really committed to the reason why this matters to you because at the end of the day it's not it's too hard to do it just because you want to have a business or because your ego is saying to do it and there's a few rare people in the world where their egos are big enough that it surpasses the pain but for the significant majority of us humans it's gotta be because we actually believe in it. We care about the work we do. So that to me is number one. Number two, very shortly thereafter, uh, is a very, very simple and clear goal. Uh, In behavior change science, it says that the first way you change your behavior, the first step is to gain commitment to the outcome you want. But the very next step is to set modest goals. That in behavior change science, it's not about, you know, swinging for the fences and having some big deal that's going to magically change your life. It's really about understanding where you want to get next, setting a modest goal, and then building a very clear plan for how to get there and rigorously tracking your behavior. So, you know, you've got to be centered in what is really the reason you're doing this you've got to sort of right-size your goals against your reality, how much time and money you have to invest, how much you're willing to work, you know, how long it'll take you to grow maybe a self-funded business or how much money you have at your disposal. And then third and most important is that the basic premise of behavior change science, which I love so much as a human, is that we can't do anything alone. None of us are meant to be Lone Rangers. None of us can accomplish any goal we have on our own, whether it's to lose 20 pounds, to make a million dollars, to walk 10,000 steps a day, to quit smoking, right? All of these things that we know we want in life. We, the people who are successful wrap structure and support around themselves. They join programs, they get coaches, they hire personal trainers. And so, um, I believe that as a human from my own experience, but the science really says that, you know, we cannot be lone rangers and be the best we're meant to be. So that's it. I mean, it's get centered in something bigger than money and ego have a very clear plan with very simple and modest goals and get the structure and support around you so that you're not doing it alone. If you really, I mean, really, this sounds audacious to say it, but I actually believe it. If You do those three things. you are I would say you are almost guaranteed success. It won't wow. be easy. You gotta work hard. Um, but we see it in our data over and over and over again. It's just the steady, focused, disciplined, mm-hmm. good people who show up every day, Get back up when they fall down and keep going. Yeah, they hit their goals. I see it over and over again. It's it's beautiful. Mm, that's the secret sauce. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> it is. It. I think I. For whatever it's worth, I always say I'm here, still standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that we've had a lot of the success that's brought us this moment in the last couple of years. Which, by the way, means that for I would say 16 years, I felt largely unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And I always say that I'm not. I'm not where I am today because I'm really smart, I don't think. I just didn't give up, you know, at key junctions when a lot of other people would have said, you know what, forget it. This isn't Mm going to work. And so um, I do think tenacity is probably one of the most critical factors if you really want to do something. big. Yeah, that's so real, too. And I
1: think a lot of people listening probably needed to hear that because sometimes you just need to you just need to hear that from someone that's been through it. You know, it has been at it for so many years and that there's people that are just like, I can't take another day. Like it's hard to go on in business sometimes. And I just to hear that, I know that's going to hit a lot of people. Um, So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, No, it's my pleasure. It's real. And, you know, in our upcoming issue of our magazine, you wrote a piece uh, titled Using Business as a Tool for Justice. And it's so powerful. I am so excited for our readers to really dive into it. And you go on to say in it, I believe that this is an incredible moment for business leaders to rethink our role and for us to use our businesses as a powerful tool for impact, justice and real change. I love this. I adore it. I adore the sentiment because I think it has a focus on the present, you know, with a future focusing like lens at the same time. Um, what about now and like this moment make you feel moved to create change? Like, what is it about this point in time
2: that is like so, um, powerful to you? I love that question. You know, I feel like it's impossible to answer that question. I have, um, I feel like in the last couple of years, maybe longer, but let's say in particular, the last couple of years, I have become so aware of this concept of my privilege, right, of the fact that I was born to a very, you know, middle class family, I'm not rich, I wasn't born to a trust fund, but I was born in Canada, a good country to, a, you know, parents that are stable and love each other, I got, uh, I got a university education, I'm white, right, there's all these things that are true about my existence and um, I think that in the last couple of years, because of this beautiful work we do with this incredibly diverse and global uh, community of small business owners and our team as well, to start to actually sit back and to just choose to listen, you don't have to be smart, you don't have to study, you just have to listen and to really feel deeply the stories and the experiences of so many people who struggle so much not because they're bad people but because the systems are not quite right or in some instances are very bad and very wrong Uh, and then to imagine that my role as a business leader is only to figure out how to make more profit for me and the richest people involved in my business there's just something that's so insane to me about that concept and i just i can't i'm not okay with it i just can't do it i can't do it i don't have the stomach for it And so this idea though, but I love business and I think business is incredibly powerful. And with all due respect to so many leaders in the world, when I look at the efficiency of a business compared to a nonprofit organization or a government agency, I just think, well, we can get so much done with business principles and we can get some, we can be so effective as a business. And so I just think if you are are simply listening, you don't have to be doing anything other than listening. And if you are bold enough to sort of wrap yourself in a community of people who are not just like you um you cannot deny that there is injustice everywhere you cannot deny that if you have some level of privilege you're really lucky right. and and i just think we are being called to more we're being called to ask ourselves with the privilege we have with the influence we have with these highly efficient incredible machines that we all run as business leaders wouldn't it be better wouldn't it be great to be profitable and you know and to do all these things that i still very much believe in i'm a business owner and also use that to combat some of this injustice and so mm-hmm. you know I, I wish i had a more profound answer but i just i'm so clear yes. that these problems are not new mm-hmm. maybe my maybe my awakening is new maybe my realization all of our shared yeah. realization is new but this injustice has been around forever And I hope that, you know, we're listening enough and the voices are amplified and loud enough Mm -hmm. that we are serious that, you know, this time, we with privilege, we with influence, and we with these incredibly beautiful organizations called businesses, do something about it. Because we can. We can. It's not that hard. Yes. And we can
1: totally do something about it. Yes. Well, for what it's worth, I think that was a very profound answer. <laughs> so you. you're welcome. You're that. welcome. And you know, you you've worked, like you said, you know, with a, a diverse amount of people, you know, over eleven thousand small businesses in fifty plus countries and you helped made them, you know, profitable and sustainable. You know, through working with all of these people and all these different countries, has there been a common thread that people come to you with of needs or asks or
2: questions? Totally. Yeah. This is the beautiful thing about being so open and listening and being so connected to a global community. Yes, we are all so different. And, you know, I think it's so critical to recognize and, and celebrate those differences, right? I love when I meet someone who's different than me and I can learn things that are so interesting. But at the root, we are so similar. Like that's also the other thing that I think is so beautiful. You know, I talk to all of these small businesses every day and what do they all want, regardless of location, skin color, religion, sexual orientation, neurodiversity, physical ability, right? All these things that we want to sort of demograph and segment ourselves around. They want to provide for their families. Uh, they want to do work that's meaningful. They want to have some level of reward for their effort. Uh, they ideally want to see their people, their community, however they define that, you know, in a slightly better place than they are right now. Um They want to do good work. They want to get paid for it. They want to build a business that's, you know, profitable and sustainable so that their kids can have a slightly better life than they did. I mean, it is, it is so universal what we as humans want. Um, And we're so similar. I mean, that's like the thing that I just think is so beautiful. At the end of the day, our slap data, for example, right, we're collecting all these data points about all of our small businesses in order to customize how we can support them. It is completely demographic agnostic. There wow. is almost no pattern to our data that is connected to a demographic silo that we would like so much to put people through. Right, um, we're all just human beings trying to figure out how to, you know, do a little bit better to get a little bit closer to the outcomes mm-hmm. that we want. Uh, and I think. I do. I believe in general, most people are mostly good, mostly, you know, oriented towards making things a little bit better for themselves, their families, their teams, their communities. Um, Yeah. And I think, I think that that, I mean, to me, that's just so beautiful. I love everything about connecting yeah. in this very human way
1: yeah me too and i bet like you know it is very beautiful and i bet when you look at the data and you see all those common threads you kind of just like are like it's an aha moment like wow we really are more connected than what it might be led on to be in like modern day media or news or anything like there's just a lot more beauty um so i that's totally. that's really special um totally. you know to to wrap up i i I'm curious to know what your definition of a real leader is.
2: Hmm. Oh, I feel like there's so many cliche answers to that question. Um, and I want to answer something that is honest and real. You know, I think I think that I mean, I think there's many truths to it. I think that a real leader cares about other people more than themselves. I think that, you know, a real leader would not find it hard to imagine, you know, pay caps on their own income or not making more than their lowest paid employee or not doing profit share out. You know, I think, I think real leaders are committed to their customers and actually offering value as opposed to maximizing a margin. You know, I think, like, I think, I think real leaders are increasingly called to be connected to other human beings. And to do that, that means we have to do our own work, right? To be a real leader, we have to actually know what our strengths and weaknesses and our trip-ups and our belief systems that are messing us up are and where our ego can get in our way. And I, I actually think that, you know I think of this so much. I think so much of the CEO stereotype and you know the archetype has been this strategic spreadsheet old white man, no offense, white men, uh, you know, that looks a certain way and thinks a certain way and is, you know, is a leader. Right. And I, and I am convinced actually, this I'm convinced of, mm-hmm. I am convinced that the leaders that are being called forward today, and that will be the leaders of the future are actually those that can handle like complex emotional realities mm-hmm. and people who are connected at a human level to the whole community of people that they build companies around, customers, staff, stakeholders, investors, the whole, the whole group. Um I think real leaders are human Mm. and we're flawed and we've got good and bad and happy and sad inside of us. And we're not trying to pretend that that's not true. Good stuff. That is so good. Thank you
1: so much, Krissa, for coming on today. You are such a light and I know our audience is going to just eat this up. So I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. All right. Thank you for everyone listening and remember everyone to stay real. Hey, Real Leaders, thank you again for taking your valuable time to listen today. If you just can't get enough, make sure to check out our magazine. And if you go online to realleaders.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you'll be able to access all of our magazines, courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to real-leaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. That's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, keep it real.